My older brother Bill was a great guy. Everything my older brother did, he succeeded. When we were in school, if he, if he went out for a sports, he, was always, he always made the team. I remember in high school, my brother went out for ROTC, and, and in one year, he was the top cadet in all of the ROTC. That was just my brother. He did so well that he began to talk that he wanted to do a career in the military. And he began to make plans. In fact, he actually received an appointment to go to a military academy. It required a senatorial recommendation. And the senator of the state of New Mexico made that recommendation. And my brother was accepted to go to a military academy. And he, he told us that this is, he knew this is what he wanted to do. He was convinced this was his direction in life. The time come for him to leave family, for him to go and off to his career and his future. He didn't go. Not because he wasn't convinced. My brother lacked one thing that's capsulized in a word, a three-syllable word. I'm going to share that word with you today. Let's talk about being convinced. When we're convinced, it means that our mind is made up. We made a decision. In fact, if you'll notice the word convinced, the middle letter is the letter I. It speaks of information. Information convinces us. You may have an opinion about something, and then all of a sudden you get information, data, and you're, you, can, you can change your mind. You think this and you say, oh, I, I've, I'm now convinced this new program, computer program will help. I, I am convinced this is the way to go. I am convinced we were doing it this way, but we should do it this way. And it's typically based upon information that's found in our judicial system. A jury has to have Convincing evidence. It has to be very likely. We use the phrase beyond a reasonable doubt. And when the evidence comes, the information comes, the jury makes a decision. They're convinced. I would dare say if I asked this entire audience today, do you love sunrises? Oh, yes. Sunrises are beautiful. I mean, some of the best photographs you can see, the, 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 the colors, the, the liquid gold, the, the orange, the, the bright colors, the, the, it's, it's beautiful. We're, we're all convinced that sunrises are beautiful. Why don't we get up every morning at 6 o'clock to go see the sunrise? It's because we lack one three-syllable word. I'm going to share it with you in just a little bit. I dare say everyone in here without a dispute, you would agree with me that diet and exercise is good for you. That if you, you eat right and you exercise, that it will increase your vitality, your health, your well-being. We're convinced of that. Are we convinced of that? Huh? <laughs> yeah. 
I'll tell you, I set a goal this year by Easter. I was going to lose 10 pounds. I have 15 pounds to go. But that was my goal that January, okay? <laughs> yeah. Going to eat better. Denise and I started this year off, and we determined this is the year we're going to eat more healthy. We're just going to, we're going to make some changes in our lifestyle. So we started doing these meal replacement shakes. Instead of eating a meal each day, one of the meals, you give up a meal and you do a protein shake, a meal replacement. Denise makes her, I hear the blender going and inside our refrigerator, she keeps fresh strawberries and cherries when she makes hers and some days it's strawberries and some days it's cherries to give her protein, her meal replacement shake a, a flavor. A couple weeks ago I was making my meal replacement shake and it came to the point of putting in the ingredient Denise wasn't looking I put a donut in mine yeah I did I took a glazed donut and I put it in there I put the lid on it and I blended it together and that particular day I had a glazed donut diet shake <laughs> Now, I'm convinced that eating better is, is good for you, but why don't I follow through on it is because I lack one three-syllable word. Hmm. You know, frequently we don't do what we're convinced of. Get into counseling, pay off the credit card debt, finish that degree, exercise, uh, make that apology. There's probably something in your life that you know you should do, and it's that highest and it's that best, but we don't do it. But we're convinced we should. You see, we can, we can have good information and still make bad choices. And it's not because we're not convinced. We're missing one thing. It's one three-syllable word. One secular writer said that people live, and I was caught by this phrase, in the margin of error. Hmm. What does that mean? That means that their whole life they, 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 they believe and they know something is better, but they don't make those quality decisions. They, they, they don't step up to that highest level. They acquiesce and they accept something that's far less of what they should. However, they're convinced. If you study the whole concept of convinced. You have to because he's, the, he, he's, he's kind of the, 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 one of the, the great contributors to the conversation, and that is 3rd century B.C. philosopher by the name of Plato. Plato had a lot to say about convinced, and he said evidence, information convinces you, and he began the discussion between form and real, and he began to play out in the whole philosophical conversation. Allow me to just capsulate what he was, he was asserting in, in an illustration today. Uh, sitting here on this table is a, is a cup of coffee. Every one of you can see this coffee. You're, you see the evidence of it. No doubt you'd say, there is a cup of coffee. It has the aroma of coffee. Oh, you could add sugar to it. You could add creamer to it. You could do whatever you want with it. But 
It's indisputed. I would dare say everyone in here, you're convinced that this is a cup of coffee. And sure enough, it is. Denise loves when I do that, when I slurp it, when I suck. That's, she just, she just, in fact, would you do the pastor's wife a favor? Guys, would you help me this morning? On the count of three, let's just make a slurping sound. Denise loves that. Okay. One, two, three. Okay, that was for you, honey. Um, this is a <laughs> cup of coffee, no doubt. Plato said, you have evidence of it. But he, he would say all you need to know is the form of it. And he used an analogy that we still have in our, in our logic today. What if I take this cup of coffee, put here a mirror, but I cover it up? And you now can't see the coffee. But Oh, wait a minute. In the mirror, you can. But you're not seeing the real cup of coffee. You're seeing a reflection of the cup of coffee. You can reasonably deduct. You can say it's likely behind that piece of paper there is a cup of coffee. In fact, beyond a reasonable doubt, I think I could get everyone in here to agree you would be convinced that behind this piece of paper there is a cup of coffee. Why? You see the reflection of the coffee in the mirror. That's what Plato said. In fact, it's from Plato we get the concept, seeing is believing. You see the reflection of it, and you believe it's there. But the cup of coffee in the mirror has no flavor to it. You cannot sip it. The cup of coffee in the mirror has no aroma. The cup of coffee in the mirror, uh, you, you can't dip a donut in it. You, you, you can't add creamer to it. You can't add sugar to it. But you would attest that by looking there in the mirror, although you can't see the cup of coffee, you say there is a cup of coffee, but you see the what Plato said was the form, but you don't see the reality, and you don't have to have reality, according to Plato, to be convinced. Seeing is believing. But it was a student of Plato. His name is Aristotle. He came along after Plato, and he said of Plato, you, Plato, you give us the idea that seeing is believing and we can have evidence, but he said there's something else missing. There's something beyond being just convinced and it's that three-syllable word. He said there's something else. And, and Aristotle called it, it comes together. He said you have to have ethos, logos, and pathos. Jesus, Jesus picked up the same thing. And Jesus said, love the Lord with all of your strength, with all of your mind, and with all of your soul. I'm going to call it demonstration, decision, and devotion, same thing. And Aristotle would say that you can, have, you can have the evidence and be convinced. But in order, here's that three-syllable word, to be persuaded, you have to have an experience. To be persuaded... You have to experience for yourself. You have to hold 
drink, savor, smell. And when you're persuaded, it's not that you just have the evidence and the hunch. You now have an experience, and that experience persuades you that there is a cup of coffee. With that in mind, I invite you to go with me to the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to read the resurrection story today. And I'm going to point out in the resurrection story something very interesting. We have the account on Easter, resurrection day. Jesus came out of the tomb alive. And the Bible said the disciples didn't even show up yet. Not only were they not persuaded, I'm not sure they were convinced. They were somewhere else. These ladies came, and honestly, they were not convinced. They came with embalming ointments. They weren't expecting to see a risen Savior. They were expecting to encounter a dead body and, according to the tradition and the custom, put embalming ointments upon the body of Jesus. But I'm going to tell you, in this conversation, they encounter an angel, and the angel is going to take them from disbelief and doubt to being convinced and then they're going to step over and be persuaded let's read the story Matthew chapter 28 it says and after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb there was a violent earthquake for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb rolled back the stone and sat upon it his appearance was like lightning his clothes were as white as snow the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus. He is cru- he, he, who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen. You can see he's trying to convince them. See, look for yourself. Here is the evidence. He's trying to convince them. He's not here. He's risen just as he said. Continues. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go tell his disciples what? He has risen. The affirmation again from the dead. And he's going ahead of them into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women, they hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. And in the next line, you're going to find the three ingredients that Aristotle said you have to have to be, to be persuaded. You're going to see the same thing that Jesus would tell us in, in Mark chapter 12. That's that persuasive, the love of the Lord with all of your, with all of your strength, with all of your mind, with, with all of your soul. It's found right here. And he said to them, greetings. They came to him. They clasped his feet and worshiped him now just for a moment just for a moment let me go back to verse six and seven he's risen we're gathered here today because jesus is risen we're gathered here the eyewitness account the evidence the forensic evidence and if you google something then they tell you there is no evidence it's a it's a myth of church can i tell you there is substantial evidence in history beyond the gospel that there was a man by the name of Jesus who who lived and died. And outside of the gospel, there are accounts that people say, we can't explain it, but this man was dead and he came out of the tomb. 
And that tells us something. He rose from the dead. Jesus reaches further than you can fall. That's good news today. No matter how far you fall, no matter how far you drift, no matter how many doubts you have, no matter how many mistakes you make, can can I tell you, Jesus can reach further than you can fall. In times in life, we say something's irreparable. You, you, You can't fix it. Oh, during the, this whole time of supply chain issues, you've heard this, we're out of stock, you can't get it anymore. In fact, there's a phrase that sometimes we describe marriages that are in trouble, irreconcilable differences. What we're saying is, it fell further than anyone can reach. It's over, it's concluded. Today, based upon the truth of the gospel, based upon a risen Savior, I want to affirm to you that Jesus reaches further than you can fall. There's no place, there's no situation, there's nothing in life beyond the reach of Jesus. You see, Jesus is a key and he's not a lock. And some of us have a lock mentality. Oh, Jesus, if you follow him, he's going to tell you, don't, 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 thou shalt not, thou shalt not. He's like the hall monitor. He's just looking for you to make a mistake to put you in your place. Can I, can I just say, you've got the wrong view of Jesus. You've got the wrong view of Jesus. Jesus is not a lot. Jesus is a key. Jesus is the one that brings life. This thing, the gospel, it starts with Jesus, it stays with Jesus, and it ends with Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And can I tell you, there are a few thou shalt nots in this book, but there are a whole lot of those. Blessed are you, blessed are you, and blessed are you. You need to see that Jesus reaches further than we can fall. Yes, Yes, we can be persuaded of the good things of God. And real quickly, I want to just pick up. How do you know whether you're convinced or persuaded? You're convinced if you have the information. Yeah, I I believe. Many of us in this room, the fact that you're here today, you're probably convinced that God exists. Probably that Jesus was a very good man. That Jesus was was a significant person of history. You may be convinced but not persuaded. The middle letter in convinced is I. You have the information, but you take the word persuaded, it has an A in it, and it speaks of action. That's what Aristotle said. You're persuaded when, when you take a step, when you do something, when it, when it, goes, beyond, it go, goes beyond just evidence, when you can hold the coffee when you can taste the coffee, when you can savor it, when there is an experience, when there's an action involved, you move from being convinced that now you're being persuaded. And there are three steps, action steps, to being persuaded. Full disclosure. I'm going to invite us in just a few minutes. For those of us who are convinced but we're not persuaded, Maybe we thought we were persuaded, but we really never had the experience with Jesus. We, we never took the action step with Jesus. We affirm it, I believe in God, but when life comes and there's a personal choice and a, and a Jesus choice, we often take the personal choice. When we do what God wants us to do or what we'd rather do, we often do what we'd rather do. We, we use phrases like this. Well, God just has to understand this is the way I am. 
that God has to understand this is just the way I believe it. And we have our own personal view of how things ought to go in our spirituality. And I'm going to invite you to not just be convinced, to be persuaded. And it requires this. Number one, a demonstration. A demonstration. It, it says here that the ladies, and they came to Jesus. A demonstration. What is significant about this is the angel came to the ladies and said, you need to go and tell the disciples. Can I tell you? If an angel came and said to you, I think you ought to do this, I don't think you would say to that angel, you know, when I get around to it. I really believe if, if there was an angel that, that came in the moment and spoke to you, you had an angelic encounter with a heavenly being, and the angel gave you direction in your life, I really don't think you would say, oh, I see, I see, maybe, maybe, maybe not. I believe you would make that decision. So what happens? They go on their assignment. But you see, in every moment in our faith walk, there's a moment in which there has to be a demonstration. And the Bible says that they're going according to the assignment of the angel, but in the course they met Jesus, and when they saw Jesus, they came to him. Plans change. Here it is. It was a demonstration. Could it have been a test moment for them? That you're going in one path, and God steps in, and you're willing to change directions and do something different just because Jesus is there. How about, how about saying, I'm going to be the kind of dad Jesus wants me to be. I'm going to be the kind of employer Jesus wants me to be. I'm not going to be marginal in my faith. I'm going to take the step. I'm going to change my plans. I'm going to, do, I'm going to go a different direction. I'm not going to tell God how things work. I'm going to let God tell me how it should be. In our life, there comes a moment when there must be a demonstration. Plato said, seeing is believing. No, doing is believing. You're persuaded when you take an action in it. You're persuaded when you do it. It's the doing. Belief without action is a hunch. And some of us just have a religious hunch. And God is calling us to be a believer, to demonstrate it. In a moment, I'm going I'm to ask you to demonstrate it. I'm going to invite you to do something maybe you've never done before in a public setting, in a religious setting, in a church setting, but I'm, I'm going to ask you to, to demonstrate you're persuaded, you believe. I remember when I was at school, we used to have show and tell. You remember show and tell? Yeah? We date, date ourselves, don't we? You'd bring something and you would show it and tell it. You can't persuade people by then We didn't have tell. We had show and tell. Show and tell. We need show and tell faith. Show and tell. Oh, I, I, I love the little jewelry of crosses. I, I love that. I think they're beautiful. But we need not just cross wearers, we need cross bearers. Would you say amen to that? That pick it up and live it out and embrace it, demonstrate it. Number two, a decision. 
The Bible says, and they clasp his feet. It's the ultimate question. What are you going to do with Jesus? When you, when you encounter Jesus, what are you going to do with him? And the ladies, they did something. They made a decision. And that's included in the text. Why would, it, why would this be included? Why is, it if, why, why is it important that they clasp his feet? They made a decision. They were make, when they clasped his feet, guess where they were at? They were at the feet of Jesus. That means they were bowing. It was a decision. It's put in the text because God is communicating to us something. You have to make a decision. A decision. Someone had said, the battle is won before the battle starts. You've got to win the battle in your decisions. Yeah. You've got to decide before the real decision comes. To not just be convinced, but to be persuaded. My wife, Denise, she, she likes to go shopping. We're, sometimes I go with her. I've decided our marriage works better if I don't go with her. <laughs> but she'd go shopping. And I've gone shopping with her before. Where are we going shopping? I'm going to go look for a blue blouse. A blue, I hear blue blouse. Guys, are you with me? Blue blouse. I'm looking for blue blouse. I'm hunting for blue blouses. We go out and we'll go into a store and she'll look at the blouse and then she'll go over there and she'll start looking at tablecloths and she'll start looking at this and she'll look at front. We came for blue blouses. That is not a fun, just looking. And then she'll go up and she'll pick up something and she'll hold it. What do you think about this? She'll hold it up to herself. It's not blue. Well, I'm not interested in buying it. Well, then why are we here at this table? I don't get why, why. Why are we here if you're not interested in it? It's the shopping. It's the shopping. I, I am not a shopper. I'm a buyer. We go in and ha if there's a blue blouse, buy. We have gone and she's found the blue blouse. Let's get no. I want to go see across town if it could be cheaper. We're going to go across town and do this again to say four bucks. No, no, I'm not buying now. I am not buying now until I need. I need to decide if this is one. I, I, I like it. But you know what? The, the zipper is just a little this or the button is in the, Okay, okay. She shops. I, I, I decide. If it's there, I'm going to buy. I'm not a shopper. Some of us are God shopping right now. We're trying God on. We're looking at God. We're examining God. And I'm going to invite you to make the decision. Part of being persuaded is making that quality decision. Some Next, uh, here in just a few weeks, Denise and I will be, have been married 46 years. I know I don't look that old, but uh, 46 years. Uh, 46 years ago, I said, I said, I do. And I told Denise through the years, if you ever leave me, I'm going with you. I'm telling you, I made the decision. You need to make the decision, that quality decision. And Number three I share with you is devotion. Demonstration, decision. Number three, devotion. It's what, it's what Aristotle said you had to have to be persuaded. And I find it in the Gospels. And they had devotion. They worshipped him. Devotion. You see, it's not just a functional thing you go through you could repeat a prayer and the prayer not change you why you have to be persuaded it 
has to come from here. You have to have devotion. And I'm going to invite you to be devoted. I'm going to invite you to make that decision. And I'm going to invite you on this Easter weekend to say, Jesus, I'm giving you my heart. I'm not just giving you my attention. I'm giving you my heart. And here it is. Are you persuaded? I believe many of us are convinced. And some of us are convinced and we think we're persuaded. But perhaps right now you realize, while I thought I was persuaded, I was really just convinced. But I'm going to take that step of demonstration, decision, and devotion. And here's what I'm going to invite you to do. In just a minute, on the count of three in the balcony, I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to pray. And when you stand, those in the balcony have an usher team that's going to bring something to you. And for those on the floor here, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to step forward and stand here. I'm asking you to demonstrate it. And some of you are saying, I, I might, but I won't be the first one. I'm going to wait a little bit and see if four people go first because I can't go down. What if I'm the only one that stands? Let's turn it around. If you're the only one, you're worth it. If you're the only one, my. He hung on a cross for you. You're worth every bit of it. But I'm going to invite you when you come to come over here and yourself pick up this Bible. I want to ask you to demonstrate it. And I have this in it. And I'm going to ask you, give you information, and that you would text New Life. I'm going to ask you in first Sunday of May to get baptized in water. I'm going to ask you for a demonstration. I'm going to ask you to be persuaded. Because in the word persuade is that letter A, action. To take an action with God. I'm going to do something. Because I'm, I'm, I'm more than convinced that He is a Savior. And I need God. So that's you. Count of three. Balcony, I'm going to ask you to stand. You're on the main floor. I'm going to ask you to come and stand right here in the front by me. One, two, coming, get ready. Three, that's you, you come right now. Stand here on me. Thank you in the balcony. Thank you. As you come, stand here. Take this, and please stay with me, and we're going to pray. And our ushering team is going to begin to place this in your hand. If you will text New Life, plan on being baptized May 1. That Sunday, 4 o'clock, we're going to be down at the sports complex. We're going to have multiple baptismal uh, venues out there, and I would love to baptize you. What's your name? Oh, be great. It's a new beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And your 
baptism will say, God, I'm going all the way. It's a demonstration. Buddy, you're worth every bit of what God can do in your life. You're worth it. Yeah. He may have stumbled a hundred times before. That's all right. I can tremble on the rock, but the rock never trembles under me. There's times I've given up on God, but God's never given up on me. And he won't you. God sees your sincerity. You were at a sunrise service, and something brought you back. I don't know what it was, but something but something in yearning and yearning, and this is your day. God has a purpose for you. God has something for you. You're not a mistake. You were born with a purpose, and there's something God has just for you. I want to pray with you right now. Join me. Father, with these wonderful, gracious people, <laughs> we're all on a journey. We're convinced that Jesus is Savior, but today we're persuaded. We realize that God has something for each one of us. And we've kind of looked at God in the mirror. We can see God. But today we're experiencing God. And we're starting off by saying, number one, God, forgive us. Our penance, Lord, just forgive us of our doubts, our inhibitions, our, our messes, our humanity. Lord Jesus, come into our hearts. Many of us don't even know what that means, but we don't have to know it for it to work. God comes by invitation. God, just come into our lives. God, just come into their lives. They're, Jesus said, love the Lord with all of your soul and your heart. and That's what they're inviting to do. They're making that decision. And now here it is. We devote our lives. We commit our lives to serve Jesus. We commit our lives to follow Jesus. We commit our lives to follow what God has. We may veer. We may stumble. But God, we're going to always move towards you. And we make a commitment on this Easter, this day, that Jesus is our Lord and our Savior. And I speak blessings upon these people. I speak God's goodwill and God's goodness upon them. Those in the balcony that, that took that statement of to just declare they're persuaded. Oh, God. Oh, God. Wrap your arms of love around them. Oh, God, let this be a new beginning. And I pray, Father, the action steps of faith will begin to happen in our lives as we become followers of Jesus. And I ask this in the name of our Savior, Jesus.